Hello, this is Emma Gannon and welcome back to The Success Myth Diaries, my mini-series to accompany my new book, The Success Myth, Letting Go of Having It All, which came out on May the 18th. It unpicks the eight success myths that I believe are getting in the way of us redefining what success really means to us from society's expectations around happiness and money and productivity and celebrity culture and this idea that we always have to move the goalposts. I'm looking at different ways that we can feel enough, that we can realign with our own values and personally feel more fulfilled day to day. And to celebrate the book, I'm interviewing some of my favorite thinkers on success and asking them about their success myths, which we unpick together. Today's guest is Fiona Arrigo. She is beloved for her ever-evolving wisdom and heart-based living for changing times. She's a visionary in her field. She works globally as a biodynamic psychotherapist. She's an intuitive healer, a mentor, and a life teacher. And she's truly wise and had so much wonderful stuff to say on this topic. She also runs the brilliant Arrigo program, which is a profound healing system developed with Fiona's expert team of practitioners. And you can find out more about that on their newly rebranded website, which is in the show notes. So you can check out that if you're interested in a really fantastic retreat and amazing space to heal and talk about these topics in a lot more detail. Fiona talked about her success myths on this podcast. She spoke about how the world is going through a massive change. We spoke about collective burnout, how we can work together, how to rest and how to use our own intuition more to guide us forward during this very heavy time. I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved recording it. Thank you. I feel like you have so much to share and and it feels very urgent, this message of redefining what success looks like, not just for us, but for the world at large. Before we begin, actually, would you be able to just sort of tell us a bit more about how you got to what you're doing? Because I'm so intrigued. Have you always worked in this space? (laughs) Yeah. Before that, let me just thank you for inviting me on. And I'm really loving what you're doing and the importance of your message. And You know, I think we're all coming at this in the same way, but from different angles and because we all know something urgent is needed. So I really just wanted to honor and thank you for your work, really. And as I said, when you said, would I come on, you've actually pulled me out of my I haven't done a podcast for two years except for my own community. So how did I get into this? I've been doing this work for like 40 odd years. Really, the truth is when I was a child, I was born with a huge question mark on my forehead, which was always the kind of questions that I'm asking in a way today. You know, who are we? What are we doing? What's the meaning of this? And why? And that was really from very, very young. I mean, all sorts of funny stories I could tell you about. And that led me on with my life into the great sleep forgetfulness, And then at around 28, 29, I had my first major car accident. And that spiraled me into my wake up. You know, I've had two or three very serious accidents in my life, and they've all had deep inquiry and going within and soul searching. And so I've devoted my life really to the inquiry. And of course, along with that, I've qualified in all sorts of different ways. And I've progressed to not have any answers, but to have lots of questions. 
And um, I think that's a very good place for us to be in the world mm-hmm. right now. You know, we can't possibly have answers for now. But we're all finding out a new way to be and to come together and to just to, to, to sort of look at it in in this in this co-creative space of in my work philosophical inquiry it does seem countercultural doesn't it because we're in it's such a rat race it seems for the answers and so many people are statistically burning out and miserable and having mental health problems more than ever and i feel like even just being in your presence we need more more of that guidance mm-hmm. um and actually before we we don't, we jump into the myths i was trying to sum up essentially what you have been saying around this kind of turning point and i guess you could call it like the transformation of consciousness or there's lots of different terminologies but would you be able to in a nutshell just explain for people what is going on there because it seems maybe a lot of people might not understand or come across that i really think that we need elders in our community right now and somehow in our Western chasing the tale of materialism, we've disregarded the elders. And the elders could also be 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, the keepers of wisdom. So I, I do think that's a very important part in all this. And what I feel is that we are massively dismantling as a collective, as a planet. We've taken ourselves, especially through Western mythology, to the edge of everything. And so right now we've got our noses right up against, and hopefully our hearts, but our noses right up against massive change, which is on every single level, financial, global, diversity, uh, economical, every single level is being challenged right now because the old system, whether we call it patriarchal, new paradigm, Um, There's thousands of different names addressing all this, but the old system is no longer working. And so all our work, yours, mine, and anybody else's that's genuinely interested in contribution for this moment, personal acts of service for this moment, personal acts of activism for this moment, I think it's a duty of care. If we're lucky enough to be in a position of choice, i.e. we're privileged to be able to think. I think that, you know, that we're not absolutely on the edge of survival, um, which so many people are in this great imbalance. And so we're looking at the falling away of systems that can't work anymore. And all the old ways that have been about dividing and conquering and taking and um, hurting and harming and so many different aspects that we put into a caption of patriarchy, but it's not that any more than it's colonization, any more than it's binaried. And yet all of it is involved in this movement of something is not working anymore and we radically need to change. And so all of us are calling for some sort of change. And within that, how do we? Because with that comes the overwhelm. If you look at climate or um, you know uh, climate refugees, or you look at the crash of the economy, or you look at gender diversity where people aren't being valued and seen and everything, and then we look into that world and we're overwhelmed because we haven't been brought up to know, which is one of my myths which aren't here, is that our personal lives affect the whole. 
And so it's by our consciousness as we move into this age of consciousness. You know, we come out of Stone Age, Bronze Age, Industrial Revolution, all of these different ages, bang now into the wake up of the age of consciousness, which is, I believe, active contribution from everyone, you, me, everybody, to make a call not to stand for what we have had to, and to absolutely radically question everything, just not to buy what we've been told, because there's a lot of lie involved in this old culture and a lot of unfairness in this old culture. And when we talk also about the feminine principles, this is what we're trying to balance out as against this old, taking, raping, dividing, hurting, harming, and to bring this equanimity of feminine consciousness in to counterbalance it. And from what I've read, but also from what I'm seeing, it sounds like with when any old paradigm is shifting or we're having a rebirth or or a shift of a massive shift of any kind, that old system tries to double down in like one last ditch attempt almost like one last hurrah. Is that what's happening at the moment? Totally. I absolutely agree. It's like all the demons are out. All the all the old negative thought forms are out and trying to hold a position like any frightened child to something that cannot hold anymore. And there's a lot of astrology and a lot of prophecies and things. And I'm not an astrologer, I'm an intuitive. But you know, there's so much at this moment, also astrologically, that is so powerful that for this moment of change. And do you personally feel, I'm not going to say excited necessarily, but optimistic? Yeah, I feel exhausted and drained and sad and stunned when I go into the hallway of accountability. I feel so sad for everything. But within it, I also feel the inspiration of hope. I feel that there is a return to what we call love, expansion, wisdom, where we kind of move out of this love of power and come into the power of love. And I absolutely believe in us as humans. How we're going to do it, I can just do my own little bit every day and invite all the people I work with to do our own little bit every day. And as I said earlier, not to stand anymore for what you don't know to be right for you. This isn't about a revolution. It is about an evolution, an evolution of consciousness where we take back our power. This is very much about the next cycles where we actually take back our power, where we start to get bigger voices, bigger forms of activisms, bigger no's everywhere and say that we're calling for change. And of course, in that minute of transition, there is um, discomfort because we don't know, as we said earlier, we don't know what the new story is. We're, we're, we're designing it as we move along. And so we have to have the resilience and in a way the development to be able to be spontaneously wise rather than rigidly stuck and we can't follow that yellow brick road in the old ways. And so nothing's sure, which is scary for everybody. If there's if nothing's dependable and you know, the yellow brick road of you get up, you 
get your A-level, whatever they are, GCSEs, I'm too old to be, you know, and you follow that route and it will eventually, which we'll discuss, take you to some form of success. If all that's take being torn down, it's scary for people. We're vulnerable. We've got war, we've got heating, we've got famine. We've, we, it, it's a scary time. And yes, I feel hugely optimistic. I really, I, some days I'm super excited about it all. And some days I'm super exhausted about it all. Thank you for sharing that. And I think if, if we can all have an, a little sprinkling of intuition, I think that's going to help a lot of us. So onto your first success myth, you said that the myth of the lone wolf, this deeply embedded cultural stereotype and reality of a lot of people where you feel on your own, very individualistic, me, me, me and my success. And I've been guilty of this in the past. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that and how it has to change? You said it has to change in order for us to survive now. I think this is also about a lot of education where we haven't known these, in a way, higher principles, because most of our history that we know has been on divisiveness. It's been about scarcity. It's been about in order to succeed, you must take and you have the right. This is so deep in our human psyche. You have the right to step over another to get your personal needs met and take, you know, take take whatever we feel like, take it, go to war, rape our women, hurt, you know, that something went wrong in the program, that we believe, we've been educated to believe that we have the right and we simply don't. So one of the shifts is coming back into relationship with all of life, which is, you know, coming away from this terror that we don't have enough and that we have to take in order to feel secure. And we then end up hoarding money, cars, food, clothes. Did you know that the, one of the biggest industries in the Western world is actually in container storage? Wow. And what about that? What about oh that when we've got people living on the side of the road? When we've got people that have nowhere to live with nothing and we are putting, and I'm guilty, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm I'm working, excuse my French, I'm working this shit out myself, you know, I'm walking along side by side with everyone, looking at what have I done. I'm just about to dump my last container this summer. But it's mm, it's what is that? What is that in yeah. our human condition that we have to hoard? Because there's something that, you know, we, we need to accumulate and hoard in order to feel secure and safe. It says a lot, doesn't it, about the society we're in, you know, especially, well, we're in a very privileged society. And yet we're sort of left to figure things out when we're older in terms of the system doesn't really make you feel safe and secure. It's like, you better work really hard, get a pension, then retire, and you're kind of on your own. And I wonder if that's why we're so scared all the time, when really, if we have our basic needs met, we know that we're happier than if we've got, you know, a load of store stuff in storage. <laughs> I mean, we've been bred to mistrust each other. And that that hits in at many different levels. And of course, what we've done 
to countries where, you know, we've conquered, we've taken slave, we've abused, we've taken, taken, taken. But it's on a very also everyday level. We're just learning, and this is the beauty of women's work, is we're just learning now not to compete with each other. We're just learning now to celebrate our differences. We're just learning now to be intimate in our conversations and not to hide and shut down. Because the whole system's about has been indoctrinated that unless you get this in the field of acquisition or avarice, you are not successful. The model of success, what is it today? I mean, obviously it's changing because we're modern, we're becoming modern people, modern thinkers, but let's just take a model of be a size six, get a good car, get a flat, get a career, work yourself to death, you know, have some relationships. And and die probably exhausted and spent. And there is a beauty which, you know, which is life. Life itself, nature, the sky, the openness, the lands, the sun, the rain, the lightning, of which we've had masses of in the last few days. There's a beauty which we can't even stop and see because this omnipresent entity is cascading our thought forms to get, 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 acquire, acquire, acquire. Unless we have it, we are not safe. I know that you said you grew up with your strong intuitions about the world. Have you ever fallen into any traps? I mean, to do with scarcity and there not being enough to go around? Or have you always had a sense that actually there is an abundance and you can tap into that more? Listen, in my own personal life, I've met huge scarcity. I was a single mother, two children, living, you know, in really um, deeply um, non-abundant states economically as I walked through. But something beyond all that even though I might have had moments of being frightened of paying the gas bill or something like that. Something beyond all that in me was a trust of life, was a trust which has now become so strong in my being. And I repeat, it doesn't mean that I'm not tired. It doesn't mean that, of course, I, I'm human. You know, we, we can't over-glamorize our states. We have human experiences. But what drives me is trust and knowing that that life herself is compassionate, even though we may not get what we want. And this is another, we have, we're not going to talk about that, but that's another myth for another day. You know, we've been educated, we trade our spirituality often with, if I do this and I do that and I do this, I will get. So much of our thinking is based around, I will get. Yeah, no, it makes so much sense. So that second myth was about the myth of scarcity and, and there not being enough to go around. And it's interesting because even hearing you talk about the masculine and the feminine, and I know that those terms mean more than just man, woman, but do you do you have men and women coming on your retreats? I'm just wondering if you, you see it from both sides with, with different genders. Yes, I, I have. I work with a lot of men on my one-to-ones. And my retreats at this moment 
are for women, for women to sit and really get raw and gritty and ask the uncomfortable questions that are not solution-based. It's not a sort of, God bless him, Anthony Robbins, if you do all this and power it up, you will get somewhere. No, 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 no. For me, it's the undoing to be able to sit with what is happening and to be okay in it, you know, to, to, to keep harnessing and finding your own connections, because this is what's been taken away from us. We don't feel safe. Our, our connections have been broken. And therefore, the greed, the need, the satisfaction, the hungry ghost drives us. And yet you go to a lot of the indigenous cultures, which I, you know, which I so respect for their understanding of reverence and sacredness, which are higher qualities of being. But, you know, 100 years ago, they would have looked at us in astonishment, saying, how can you even think of owning a bit of land? It's just not in their consciousness, or it wasn't. It's fascinating. And all of this has become so sort of monetized and, and kind of bastardized because I, w- I went to, I went on a flight uh, recently and I was in, I think it was Stansted Airport and there was this perfume shop and on the bottle it said, this will bring you inner peace or something. Yeah. And it's like, that is a, that's been a marketing technique for centuries and and yet we haven't quite understood that what that actually is. Yeah. We're going, we're chasing something and it's actually free. It's all around us. Yeah. It's so wise, Emma. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we've, we've been educated, I believe, to follow the, um, externalized dragon. So everything that we're looking for, we've been educated to look outside and everything that we need, make it a cliche or not, is on the inside. And it is about these cultivations as well on a higher qualities that we need to be able to choose, which I believe is our new monetary system. You know, I think that when we really start to get um, new, higher perspectives in a very grounded way, more and more of us doing this, the system changes. Yeah, it's very collective, this, isn't it? Totally. It's feeling like we need each other more than ever, like you say. Absolutely. So the third myth I want to talk to you about, which I feel is so relevant, is this success means exhausting ourselves. And I do think that is an ingrained belief because so many people think, you know, you get to the end of the week, you're busy, you're productive, you've you've smashed out all this work and you can go to bed. And I don't think many of us know actually how to rest. And I was writing actually recently about about burnout and how it feels like a very existential burnout at the moment. It's not even about our jobs necessarily. It's about life itself is so overwhelming, which goes back to your point about all this change happening. How do we learn to kind of lean into that rest? From what I see, and I think what you're saying is that we are massively collectively burnt out burnt out by the doing, burnt out by the chasing, burnt out by the things that we've talked about. And nobody in, you know, some of the things I talk about is, this sounds again cliched, forgive me. We've been educated to do, we haven't been educated to be. We have been educated to chase, keep busy, and in this massive um, place of, 
the evolution of information and technology and go, go, go. So there's no peace. The neuroplasticity is constantly in a state of disturbance. When you look at little children age one who are on their computers or two, wherever it is, they don't stand a chance because we can't process all this information. And if we're following the um, power of the Western um, form of success, we are exhausted before we've started. And it's happening from when you were five, whether, you know, if you're going to get into school, if you're going to pass your exams, if you're going to do your activities, if you're, it's in the system. It is so ingrained. And it's anti-life on every single level. And it's destroying us. And so we look uh, at, you know, as Gabo Mate would talk about the myth of normal. You know, we look now at profound sickness on our planet. The food states, the the illnesses that baby has been born with cancer, the increase in the mental health anxiety. It's serious, you know. It's and and we need to look at it. We I, this is where you know when I'm in when I'm with women, it's like let's look at it. We can't be flip. We need to kind of really have a look at what we have done and the consequences. And so in this rush society of no rest from when you were a little girl when I was a little girl you know we got my day smarties rewards for achieving I was loved if I achieved I was a hope achiever because I was a bloody you know um, rebel so I wasn't much on the, the sort of educational achievement. But, you know, I got rewards. If I was pretty, if I was dressed, if I was dressed, I was funny. If I was, if I was, if I was, if I was, then life would reward me by loving me. And I would then feel safe within the system. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw recently on Instagram, I think, but um, five-year-olds now or younger get little graduation ceremonies with little mortarboard hats. And they're they're already on that treadmill before they've even even know anything that they are valued based on the winning and the achievements and i was wondering because it is also overwhelming on a day-to-day kind of practical level for people is it about sort of making those small even like small little rebellious moments i mean it shouldn't even be rebellious but making time in the day to sit and read or sit and you know, put the out of office on. I'm just thinking for people listening who are like really in the middle of it all. In the grind, bless them and not to feel futile because let these podcasts that you're doing and all the work that we're all trying to do put hope into the system. You know, I really don't want, wish for people to feel so wrung out because they can't see that there's anywhere to go because the system's too big. Because this is also a compliance of... I I can't do anything. The system is what it is, but we can. And this is related to the old world of um, self-love. By that, I mean, we have the right to pause. We have the right. This is like social activism. We have the right to stop. I feel almost emotional at that. Yeah, you would do because it is emotional, darling. And we have the right to contemplate. These are rights that we have here. Of course, this isn't going on for 
people in um, Ethiopia or people in Syria. I believe this is when I talk about sacred activism, as if we can make a stand for all the sisters, all our peoples across the world, and start to respect and treat ourselves differently, we can then start to respect and treat another differently. Because this is the age of other. This is the age of, as you said earlier, together. And we have to support each other. So, you know, that we should be allowed to pause. We should be allowed to stop. We should be allowed to say, I don't know. I mean, we're never allowed to say that. We can change our minds. Mm-hmm. You have to get stuck in a system where you have to keep going with some mindset. It's anti-life, Emma. It is. I believe more in contemplation than meditation. It's easier for the way my mind works. So again, you know, we're set up because we're set up in a shame culture. So if you don't meditate, you failed. If you don't do your yoga, you failed. If you're not a size six or eight, you failed. If you're, you, We've got such a failure bar. So we need to reclaim and pull back our, our sense of worth, our contribution to the great web of life, and that every time you pause and stop and consider and contemplate for five seconds, is this good for me? What am I doing? And you start to accumulate that. This is going to make the difference. This is, makes the difference in the grid. Get enough people stopping and pausing and contemplating and being given back to and nurtured that you don't have to hold it all together. It's exhausting for our bodies. Thank you so much for that. You did kind of publicly say about your the accident you had yeah. recently with your legs. So yeah. I hope you don't mind me bringing it up. But what I thought was amazing about that situation, which you know was very inconvenient for you and probably very traumatizing because it, any accident is, it, it seemed like you immediately welcomed that as a pause and you used it to contemplate. It's like every moment of crises, you know, you then see how much work you've done and how much has really gone in. I just wanted to say something else is about these myths. You know, there's another huge one, which we're not going to discuss, but just to drop it in is the myth of perfectionism which is uh, a tigress. And so for me, you know, when I had this accident, which was just before my women's retreat in India, uh, which which I'd fought to get there for for over two years since COVID, um, it was hugely humbling. And I had to do the, the practices, surrender, accept, allow, be, let go, let go, let go, and just surrender into it because there was nothing I can do. And it was extremely painful and it's, you know, it's taken six months out of my life. Um, But it was a deep, deep, deep lesson to welcome the practices that I had been building to know that these weren't concepts or something written down that I wasn't living. It was a chance to really meet and to meet my shadow big time. Oh, my goodness. Shadow land. And it's still going on, you know, things that have been hidden and pushed away because I've been busy. 
or I've been inspiring, or I've been teaching, or I've been passionate. You know, I'm privileged in that way. But that you can also hide there. So I really had to look at my shit, really had to look at it. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm not there at all. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm getting, I feel like I, there's always a fork in the road and I'm, I really am hoping that I'm choosing the right path more and more and more. And I think I am, yeah. but there are certain times where I'm like, oh, it's just easier to distract myself or numb it out. And sitting in that discomfort, oh, I just, I'd love to be able to really get the strength to really sit in that more often. But you don't know that you can't do it. It was just, I met a very strong moment where I also didn't have choice. I could have frozen, been angry, and I'm sure there were moments in that that that, that showed up as well. But it, it it's like, every, you know, you could, we can, we are so much more than we've been educated to know about ourselves. This is what I know. This is what I know and this is what I love. With every single person that I work with, we are so much more, but we have been robbed and minimized in, and in our culture, it's ridiculous because look at all the advantages we have. And yet we're still living in a minimized way of being, which is, so life comes in to test us, to make us more to break us open. In my philosophy, I've learned to welcome that because I've had a lot of being broken open in this life, physically, mentally, emotionally. I've been bashed. <laughs> but so I've that's been part of my learning. But I with loving each other, holding each other, understanding each other and being compassionate to the self, which means that we have to go on a journey to dare to ask the questions is this right for me? Is this right for me? Does this feel right? And if it doesn't, sit with it. Let that percolate. You don't have to take immediate action. It's enough to recognize it. You know that if we have, if we see something in ourselves and then we have to take, we believe we have to get it right, that's the old system. We don't have to get it right you are right. You just don't realize it because of these performance pressures that have incarcerated our spirits. But how we are is, is really okay. We don't need to add more fossil fuel to um, an, our exhausted selves. Thank you so much, Fiona. That was just incredible. I loved every minute of that. And you have such an amazing way of galvanizing, but also this sort of optimism and calm that you bring and we need both like you say so yeah. thank you so much and to anyone listening who wants to know more about you follow along go on one of your retreats where where can they find you well they can go to our newly rebranded website that has been blood sweat and tears um it, on the Arigo program and all the information will be there about everything that we offer and also new things that we're bringing and instagram you know fiona Arigo instagram May we all join together in the circle and may we all bring the change that we're all desperately, desperately seeking. It is the time. It's unavoidable. We can choose to be part of it or we can not choose, but change is coming. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'm leaning into it big time. And um, I'm so glad we connected. So thank you so much. 